0: on the CAA side of the ledger. Yeah. Start educating yourself. Once you put the ball in motion, you're in a semi-protected state. You're, okay. you're actually moving somewhere. Okay. Uh, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago. Yep. When's the second best time? To- tomorrow.
1: Yep. Yep. Hey guys, Spencer Smith back, your host of Self-Funded with Spencer. We're here for part two of the discussion with Agility Innovation Partners. Part one, we sat down with Drew Calistead as well as Tony Sorrentino. We talked high level about agility and we talked about the CAA kind of exposing what the problem is. Now here in part two, I'm joined by Brian Banken who is the Chief Data and Analytics Officer for Agility Innovation Partners. We're gonna talk about data what to do with it, how to get it, and then how this can actually impact uh, uh, an employer's responsibility of being a fiduciary. So Brian, why don't you introduce yourself? We still got Drew here as well, and Drew's gonna help me recap part one for the folks that listened to that. But Drew, real quick, who are you? Uh, Drew, excuse me, Brian, who are you and what do you do?
2: Thank you, uh, Spencer. Thanks for having me, first of all. Uh, Brian Benkin. I am, the, as you said, the Chief Data and Analytics Officer for Agility Innovation Partners. Um, I'll get into a little bit deeper background in a, in a bit, but I've been analyzing healthcare data longer than it's been cool.
1: Longer uh, than it's been uh, cool. Yeah, correct. you were an OG yeah. data analytics guy, right? Uh, yeah. And indeed, you and I actually indeed. have known each other for about 10 years. We were just going back over that. We um, just
2: did that math, yeah. Met at,
1: at Hayes Companies back in probably 2013 or 14. We right. Reconvened back at Hayes and site. And then now here a few months back, we reconvened for a third time. You and can't here get rid are. of me. Yeah, I can't, I can't get you to go <laughs> away, man. I don't know what it is. But I think it's because I've got a financial analyst background. I've done a lot of the self-insured reporting You and i kind of see eye to eye with using the data to actually make measurable changes to the health plan so drew i know you're here and i want to obviously call back to you could you help me briefly again tell tell the folks who you are for the folks that didn't listen to episode Mm -hmm. one i want them to listen to episode one so if you could also recap what we talked about in that episode in case anybody wants to jump back
0: of course thank you so drew callisted uh, chief strategy officer for agility innovation partners Uh, So, the recap of our earlier episodes, High Level at Agility, we are here to help the broker community. The character in our story is the broker leading their plan sponsors and clients to capitalize on innovation to protect and grow their revenue. All yep.
1: Right, and the it. opportunity that comes from that, which I think is, you guys are positioning very well, kind of 10% compliance, 90% opportunity. I think insurance consultants and brokers really have a chance to utilize this for the benefit of their firm and their employees mm-hmm. as well as their, their clients, correct? Indeed, indeed. Yeah. Well, I love it. I love what you guys are doing. And now we're going to talk... Brian, we're gonna talk data, the OG data nerd, if I I can say that, if you don't mind. You mean mean that, that. as it's a term of endearment, correct? A positive term of endearment. (laughs) Sure. So, you said you spent about, what, 30 years or so in data analytics? I did. Talk to me your background. Like, How did we start in this field?
2: How much time do we have again? We have (laughs) as long as you want to go, man. Let me me give you my background in data analytics. Uh, It is almost 30 years. Um, I'll give you three chapters, okay? So, if you dial the clock back to 1995, not interested in knowing what you were doing in 95, by the way. However, uh, I was a data analyst at a broker, and the broker offered um, an enhanced reporting package, something different than what they would get from carriers, TPAs, etc. So back then, we requested data via the USPS, send a letter out in the mail, Okay. Six weeks later, a floppy disk would come back. Uh-huh. And yeah. there's a chance that some of our audience doesn't know what a floppy disk is. Yes. But yes. that's how we were harvesting data back in the day. This so is pre-email, pre-internet. Mail. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, snail yeah.
1: mail, so you request, you probably have some form you fill out and say, hey, I need this data, give it to me. Yep. They say, okay, we'll take our time, put it on a floppy disk. <laughs> literally. Six months later, it shows up. So what's on this floppy disk when it you get it It's claims data, the same okay. stuff
2: that we're using today. Okay, okay. It's the, the data itself hasn't changed. The delivery mechanism has okay okay
1: so so obviously that's the origins of that right i think the data set like you said is pretty similar Mm -hmm. then what's if you will step two or phase two in your career
2: so chapter two i launched a data analytics company co-founded it with a with a good buddy the other analyst at the at the agency uh, we ran that for probably 15 16 years okay. distributed through a network of roughly 40 brokers nationally um what was really fun and kind of unique you mentioned your former employer we got a chance to partner with them at at the very early stages of their journey okay and so kind of functioned like a data wingman if you will yeah, for lack yeah, of a better yeah. term and they leaned into data big time right? it was the lead story on all prospects it was oh yeah It was reporting on every single self-funded client, and the agency went from zero to the moon. Yep. And we watched that happen from, you know, the co-pilot's chair. Yeah, and I got firsthand
1: experience. I mean, I was sitting on the plane. I wasn't in the pilot's chair, but I was, you know, not too far back from them, and I got to see it firsthand, the impact of leveraging data to Mm -hmm. win business and retain business, Mm -hmm. like Drew mentions quite a bit. I saw it actually happen, so the proof was in the pudding there. This podcast is brought to you by True Captive Insurance a premier medical stop-loss captive for employer groups ranging from 25 to 1,000 employees. True Captive believes in healthcare that is personal and insurance that isn't complicated. That's why they take a white-glove approach, making it easy for employer groups to transition into a program built specifically for them. Check them out at truecaptive.com. This podcast is sponsored by PlanSite. PlanSight is a technology for employee benefits brokers to more efficiently manage their RFP process for any group size, all funding types, and over 20 benefit lines and point solutions. PlanSight is the only end-to-end RFP technology on the market today. Let's modernize your RFP process together. Check us out at Plansite.com. What was your spin, though? When you went from Chapter 1 to Chapter 2 and built your own company, what was your spin on data analytics?
2: For Chapter 3? So, at the end of the day, your former employer purchased the platform,
1: Okay. okay? Yep, and yep. they own
2: it. So, imagine how the other 39-ish brokers felt about sure. that. Not sure. great. Not great. So, I ended up stepping away and launched an independent consulting practice to help brokers utilize the data that they have. Yeah. Okay. What ended up happening, and this is kind of a little bit unexpected, is some of those 39 went out and purchased a different platform. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, I'm going to try something different. And They ended up being my clients as an independent contractor. Okay. Hey, Brian, we bought this platform and we're not really sure how to work it. Yeah. Can you help us? Can you be our data wingman again and help us get full value for this investment? So,
1: so so that's, you know, and that's obviously a lot of what we're going to talk about with the coalition that you guys have. And I wanted you to expound upon what that exactly means. But it's one thing to purchase a data analytics platform it's another thing entirely to be able to use it. And we're going through some of that, you know, behavioral shift with what I do at PlanSide. and I won't bore the people that have heard this a number of times, but hey, you give them a piece of software, you've got to train them on said software. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to use it and actually know how powerful it is once they have a chance to leverage mm-hmm. it properly. Correct. So that's a lot of what you're, be, you're able to do now at Agility, correct?
2: Yeah, 100%. So if I, if I take that chapter three as an independent practice consul- analytics consultant, the the two common problems that i was kind of tasked to solve Mm -hmm. was you know this this we bought a platform it's really expensive yeah and we're not getting full value for this investment i don't have time i don't have staff i can't train anybody so i i would plug in as kind of that expert and the analogy i use is, is you bought a ferrari and you can only drive it in first gear yep. right so what good is that so i got well, most people to don't drive even know ferrari. what
1: they don't know right even if i have access to the data i've learned how to run a few reports you're you know, sometimes it's a junior analyst that's tasked mm-hmm. with it and they go, yep. oh, well, this is the report they told me to run. And, yep. you know, nobody has, is aware that they're missing probably 90% of the equation if you haven't been properly trained or consulted how to use it, correct?
2: 100%. 100%. Yeah. So I'll go back to your coalition yeah, please, question yeah. for a second. So with, with my partners at Agility, and I joined in January officially, okay. um, we're trying to solve those two problems for advisors, okay, that platforms are expensive mm-hmm. and difficult to use. As easy as that, um, brokers for the most part, in my experience, fall into kind of two categories. One, um, we haven't invested in a platform yet because it's expensive and yeah. I don't have anybody to work it. Or we did invest in a platform and I'm not getting full value. Yeah. Those are it's it's not in a direct line in the sand, but that they mostly fall into one of those two buckets. So what we did at Agility is we're using the Agility community. Let's say the brokers that we partner with, the ones that Drew and Ken have uh, relationships with across the country okay. to offer a platform at scale pricing okay. Okay, for largely the mid-market broker, right? the broker that has five to 15 self-funded cases.
1: So usually if they were going on the open market shopping for platforms, right, they're paying a premium price point because of their size, right? And the utilization. So you're offering the ability to them to scale that pricing as if they were a much larger organization,
2: correct? 100%, 100%. The the analogy I use is if you're a broker with three self-funded cases, you can buy as if you have 300 you get the idea, right? It's-, it's Well, so coalitions. that's
1: lowering the price of admission, but unless you have the other side of that, which, you know, I want to ask you too uh, before I, I finish my thought. Um, Drew, when did you become aware of Brian or vice versa? How did you guys actually <laughs> get connected?
0: I'd love to hear that story. Uh, ironically, we, we attended- college together.
1: How oh, did you guys really?
0: We okay. Did. What mm-hmm. what college was that? St Olaf College, Northfield, Minnesota. St Olaf. Okay. I
1: mean, <clears> not like Olaf in the movie Frozen, right? You guys probably don't have kids <laughs> well, young enough They're to related. <laughs> it's all
0: it's all Norway or Sweden, yeah. but uh, So St no,
1: Olaf it. College and you said that was in Minnesota? Minnesota. Minnesota. Right. Okay. In the mid so you guys 80s. knew each other at that point, but did you stay in touch throughout your careers or no? No. We did not. No. Uh, okay. A,
0: a mutual friend connected us about 3 years ago. Okay. And, hey, you guys seem to be doing the same thing. You should get connected. So here we are.
1: Awesome. Well, so, and Brian, from your perspective, what was the kind of motivation to pivot from what you were doing in that current state and shifting over to agility?
0: Well,
2: so the current state is, you know, my independent practice, I was the only employee. Yeah. Right? Enough. How many people can I help? Yeah. Right. I, I was kind of capped out. Like, this is this is a big problem in our industry. And by myself, I can't do this. Yeah. So, getting connected to agility gives us a chance to really offer this solution across the, the yeah, wider, so scaling your s- own time, right? One hundred percent.
1: So, it le- talk to me about that second half, which I was finishing my thought. Right, the yep. at scale pricing, but the consultation. So, what does that look like in practicality?
2: So, the we, we partnered with a very specific um, analytics company in, in our country, and I'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but part of the package is, I'll use the term again, a data wingman. Okay. Okay. So the 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 platform offers that service as part of their their customer service package. And so for that mid-market broker, again, 5 to 15 self-funded cases, you don't need to hire a data analyst mm-hmm. and train and compensate. And it's a 6 to 12-month learning curve, right? You become an activated data uh, ninja? advisor, I ninja, overnight-ish.
1: Because right. you, get, you get advice, you get consulting, here's what to look for, here's what to be aware of, here's how to use it.
2: They, they drive the Ferrari for you. Okay. Okay. And the,
1: but eventually the idea is to turn them into an autonomous you know, data analyst, correct? Right. Yeah. So to yeah. teach them how to fish effectively.
2: Exactly. Yeah. 100%.
1: Yeah, because it's not necessarily just outsourcing it to a third party to say, do it for me. Or do you have yeah,
2: that well, white they, glove they, level They really service? do partner with the advisory firm and become part and outsourced, you know, part-time member of the team.
1: Okay, okay. So, and you know, I know you, we'll touch on who the partner is in a moment, and I definitely yep. want to spend some time on how you selected them as the appropriate data mm-hmm. analytics platform. But talk to me about some of the other challenges. I don't know how to use it. I can't afford it. But what happens if I kind of know how to use it? But maybe what am I missing? You know, what what are the what is the current state of the union for most brokers when it comes to these kind of platforms?
2: You know, I think if well, let's take the two buckets that they tend to fall in, right? And if the bucket that you chose is the advisor that has a platform and isn't utilizing yeah, 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 it fully, yeah. and actually when I think about it, in both cases, you know, we are behind our competitors that are better with data. Right? Yeah. So from a competitive perspective, when you talk about you know retaining your customers and growing on the competition side we can lose uh, on data if we're not proficient bringing solutions to the marketplace measuring performance etc
1: okay and drew i want to ask you this in terms mm-hmm. of your experience and then brian as well because you've been in this industry for a long time do most advisors have a, a platform <laughs> at all no i mean is it is this still early stages the, uh, for the market
0: from a, a very uh, a wise Yoda in our life here <laughs> in, our, in our business. Ten uh, percent penetrated. Right oh, now. really? That's it. Ten percent. And so think Man. about that. Oh, that's for a less minute. than I thought. Okay. Yeah. The, the the brokers that so so rarely do you find a brokerage consulting firm that's all in on data. Mm-hmm. And those that are, are winning, they're using yeah. it and they don't lose clients. They win with data. Yeah. There are those that say we're in data. Well, they might have six or eight hundred groups and they have thirteen on data
1: okay yeah all right so
0: now they're now they're at the expensive side of buying data and platform and as a former practice leader in the benefits consulting space i didn't realize that there was platform and then there's analytics and then there's the output and how you get salient points to lead your customers right so there's really three buckets there and it's not just a platform because what what happens when they buy that it becomes shelfware it becomes a ferrari in your lobby that everybody walks by oh wow yeah
1: yeah (laughs) don't actually get to drive it brian does that sound in line with what you saw probably maybe 10 penetration penetration in that you know what
2: the wise yoda that he referenced um i would have said it was a little more than that Tens 10's lighter than i would have thought yeah um but those are recent numbers and it's maybe
1: it speaks to like myopic point of view working with Hayes, and i realize how how beneficial that was to my career getting to work with Eric Templin and Dale Brickard is yep. I just assumed that everybody did it, right? And maybe I just got really lucky with who I went to work for in the first place.
2: Yeah, and, and I, you know, I spent 20 years at, at, at Planet where we, we had our analytics platform and you know, really didn't get a chance to see what was happening in the market. I would have thought it was closer to 40 50%. Yeah. And um, you just assume until that, that I came out of there and you realize that's not true.
1: And again, it maybe speaks to these are expensive. It speaks to they don't know how to use it. They don't need, know they even need it. But from my perspective, I mean, like not having that as part of a standard sort of suite of core services and as an agency, like you're saying, Drew, that, that means you're probably going to have reactive or defensive conversations with your clients quite often.
0: Data is a data platform in now. In hindsight for me and looking forward in the way we're driving our business is it's the headlights to the future. And, yep. and the CAA, those things we talked about earlier, now that we can break free from the gag clauses and break the shackles that, are, that healthcare, the black box of healthcare, and release more data flow, more comparisons, mm-hmm. the opportunities to leverage data are even greater.
1: I would agree. And so what, what am I looking for if I'm an advisor out of a platform like this? Like I know I need one, I'm evaluating You know what the options are, what am I getting out of it? or What am I looking for for this to solve for me and my agency?
2: Well, I'm gonna give you two. I'll give you two answers. Kay. Okay. So, and interestingly, I had this conversation with an advisor just last week. Okay. I said, you know what? We heard a, a, a presentation from this platform and this platform and this platform, and they all sound the same to us. You know, we don't know who to pick. And mm-hmm. you know, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Um, so, l- l- we'll draw a line in the sand at the CAA. Okay. So, actually, back in 2019, um, there's a study put out that that plotted the six biggest uh, platforms in the country across about nine different feature sets. If you're looking for a platform, what are you looking for, Mm -hmm. right? Do you do, um, how often do you load the data? Is it easy to use? Uh, You know, can you do uh, 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 health plan management consulting? Can you do ad hoc reporting? You know, what what features? There were nine of them, Okay. okay? Let's put the CAA line in the sand. There's probably nine more. Really? No. Okay. Okay. And so it, it's it can be overwhelming. You know, what am I looking for here? And uh, so it, it kind of leads to, I think, oftentimes paralysis. Yeah. Right? And yeah. Okay, I'm looking for a platform, but now i got 18 feature sets to look at it gets overwhelming. Well,
1: and that's the idea of you can't manage what you can't measure, but if you don't even know what you're measuring in the first place, then how would you possibly manage it? It just looks like a bunch of data, right? Correct. Maybe there's some canned reports or some really standard reports I can pull and look, look like I know somewhat like I'm doing, <laughs> right? But, you know, one of the things that I remember we did at, at Hayes, and not to continue to toot their horn, but this is where I got introduced to the idea of mm-hmm. data being powerful. We were looking at the ICD-9 codes at the time mm-hmm. that telehealth, could divert from other uh, locations of care that are more costly, being able to draw a report on that and say, hey, we had 27 different telehealth utilizations and it diverted, in our estimation, this average amount of cost. Mm-hmm. Here is your savings of implementing telehealth. Mm-hmm. Very obvious thing to do, which I think most people that are using a platform or having a conversation like that now, but 10 years ago as an analyst, I'm going, okay, there's, an art, there's a real tangible, quantifiable outcome based on knowing how to slice and dice the data. So solution, what are what, yeah. are what are some other examples? The, we're not necessarily talking predictive, right? We're talking more retroactive or what's happening within our data.
2: Correct? Yeah. Yes and no. Okay. A little bit of both. Um, risk scoring is pretty common to peer kind of into the crystal sure, ball in the future. Sure. But yeah, a lot of it is retrospective. And honestly, you know, the, a good predictor of the future is what happened in the past, right? We're covering the same people <laughs> under the same plan, likely in the same under the same service providers. You know, that it is a pretty good predictor of what will likely happen in the future. You know, barring big changes. Well,
1: so So like outside of your standard monthly reporting packages, let's assume we're a Mm self-funded client, right? We're looking at monthly claims, ag and spec reports and things like that. Mm -hmm. What are some other things that you think these brokers should be considering?
2: Well, I think um, all that stuff, everything that was kind of pre-CAA, is still valid mm-hmm. and helpful. And I, I think what's different now yeah. is, you know, some of the requirements from CAA, okay, we have to be able to benchmark not only our claims costs, our fixed costs, our plan design. Um, you know, there's more than just data, you know, the data piece now, we have to validate and benchmark things
0: and other what are than we that.
1: benchmarking it against? Or, Drew, did you want to weigh uh, in on that?
0: Yeah. I- indeed, so yeah. the, there's a fiduciary tool stack that is now part of the data platform, from benchmarking your all the elements of your PBM, all the elements of your health plan, the providers that are under the covers that you're not seeing today, how much they're getting paid the services they're providing. Mm -hmm. So how much of the dollar you're putting in is going to these people? Are those fees reasonable Mm -hmm. for the return on your plan, you have a duty to your participants to make sure you understand not just as a watch tell time, how much do the components of the watch cost?
1: When, how, who defines reasonableness?
0: So it's it's a great it's a great question, and Tony is a probably a smarter to answer that. Yeah, it's, yeah.
1: Tony. It's uh,
0: so good faith compliance effort. It's you don't have to be perfect. So on okay. the retirement side, when you had to go do your due diligence on your on your mutual funds and expense loads, you don't have to have all the funds be the best performers with the lowest cost. You have to have a process that makes sure you've got a prudent lineup. That's gives your ch- your participants a chance to win. Okay. So in healthcare, you have to have a prudent lineup, you've got a process, you've demonstrated it, and you're doing a good faith compliance effort. And okay. that is the standard today, there's no safe harbor. Okay. And so data, imagine all the things that Tony shared, but using now the data platform. So now you're sitting in a Ferrari, the dials go vroom vroom when you put the gas on. Mm-hmm. And now you can see what things cost because CA we unlocked the code, we unlocked the black box and so on. And now the efficiency of data with fiduciary tools. And then the last piece is insert now hospital transparency okay. data. Okay. So for two years now, the hospital, I'm going on two years, have to release their contracted rates by procedure code, by hospital, by payer. So now that data sets being able to be bumped up against the claim data, the bills from the providers, okay. et cetera. So now there's a unique never before seen view with contracted rates. So hospital transparency data and fiduciary tools, pardon me, are the differentiators post CAA. Okay.
1: Well, and so maybe this will lead us into the next question, which I think is obvious to address now is which platform to choose. I think that's mm-hmm. a very important choice. You talked about the brokers that are going, well, I saw three or four <laughs> different ones and they all look the same to me. You guys, with your expertise, obviously decided to leverage one. So which Correct. platform did you pick? And give me some of the why behind that.
2: Sure. So, you know, if you dial back to my chapter three of my story, right, I had a kind of a unique opportunity to really vet this marketplace mm-hmm. with different brokers who chose different platforms to, to, really have a unique view of the the positives, the negatives, et cetera, of the platforms that are out there today. Sure. Um, we chose Inovu as our platform out of Pittsburgh. Um, let's, for the first two reasons, that we're solving the first two problems that I mentioned a minute ago. Okay. okay? At scale pricing and the wingman. Okay, okay. so the the, the the two biggest problems, or most common problems advisors have are that. This stuff is expensive and hard to use. So they came to the table with pricing at scale. Okay, again, for the broker that has 10, Uh, self-funded cases by as if they have 100 Um, and then the data wingman. So that was the the key piece. And are they
1: offering those resources on behalf of agility? They're offering the what do they call those folks, the wingmen, the consultants, it's, it's or a, they call them wingmen? It's what a
2: dedicated data analyst. Okay. okay yeah, for yeah. The, we, we like to use the term wingman. Um, but that it's a dedicated data analyst, uh, advisors can choose kind of the frequency of, with which they want that person to participate in client meetings, you know, once, twice, four times a year, whatever they choose. Um, and that can be client by client. Um, but the the you know, the overarching theme was we got to check those two boxes sure. or we haven't helped anybody. Okay. Okay, and they came to the table with that package and and um, it's it, it's a perfect fit. In addition to that, I'll slide over to what Drew said a minute ago. Everything pre-CAA in terms of population health reporting, you know, monthly lo- or data load, frequency, all that stuff is important. They check all those boxes. But they offer a CAA fiduciary tool stack. Okay. Okay. So some of the benchmarking that we talked about, mm. benchmarking against over 4, four million lives. Um, for what our claim costs are, what our plan design is, what our fixed costs ah. are. All that stuff is, is So they're
1: providing the benchmark, that referential point that you were talking about 100%, earlier. So 100%. So again, I don't have to be the best. I don't have to beat the benchmark. I just have to be within some sort of reasonable mm-hmm. striking distance of, of the benchmark. And if
2: you're right? way off a of benchmark, okay, then we need to address then that. Then
1: we need to address it, right? You know, right? That's something you go back to your vendor and be like, hey, you guys are 70% above the market. What's yeah. going on? What yep. are we getting for this? But at least there's a reference point similar to how you, rbp has medicare as a reference point for paying claims
2: 100 right? 100 okay. so a couple other things see the, the i'll go back to what drew said a minute ago about the hospital transparency right these files are out there i think something like 75 80 90 percent of hospitals have started to post their files okay. out to the, the the world um but Enovo has kind of brought has brought those into the platform so we can see what we paid Relative to what we could have paid under different arrangements. Uh Okay, so the the conversations that will come from this, if I'm the self-funded plan sponsor, you know, okay, okay, um, network, you charged me a fee to access (laughs) your network, and I'm paying sixty percent more than the cash price. Yeah, really. Yeah. Okay, we need to have a conversation.
1: Well, you see, <laughs> Drew, do you think this is the key to the black box right here? Yeah,
0: this You're, is a massive. So that hospital data is a massive key. It was brilliantly woven into CAA as step one. Okay. Because if that wasn't out there, the empowered fiduciary wouldn't have any tool. I see. I see. There's a sequencing and a staggering of the release. So it's all intelligently designed now for a different outcome.
1: Okay. And Brian, you've obviously experienced, you know, the analytics, evolution of the analytics platforms, but my understanding of the files that these hospitals release is they're I don't want to say garbage but they're effectively unreadable to almost everybody except Mm -hmm. maybe some very high level data ninjas so how do you think Innovu has been able to sort of normalize that crazy data set
2: and turn it into something usable you're right I mean the files that were posted were so large that they were unusable by most. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so the data ninjas <laughs> in the back room at Innovo have figured out how to, not, you know, utilize, download those, utilize those and, and, and massage them into the platform.
1: Yeah. And so we're going to talk, you know, this, this part of this is like, okay, and now what, right? Mm-hmm. And the CAA is it's here. You got to be compliant. We have a tool at our disposal. If we're partnering with agility or, you know, if I have my own platform, right, that's not to say that there isn't only one, But the now what is what I'm really interested in. So Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you're having conversations with the folks? Okay, we know you've got this information. We've already found out, hey, we're way off the benchmark. We found out we're paying 60% above cash pricing. Mm -hmm. Okay, now what? What do I do after that? Mm -hmm. So tell me an action plan or what an advisor should be doing their client
2: yeah i mean so that's a good example so uh, using the example i just said we're, we're, we're spending 60 percent more than the person that walked in off the street without insurance okay we need to talk narrow network we need to talk direct contract we need to talk RBP. we need to fundamentally change our relationship with our with our service provider well,
1: are you able though to go back to those carriers that have negotiated these contracts and say hey or is it you have to pivot away from now that you know what you know
0: it's, it's really too early to say we're in that chapter right now. Okay. So the merging of the data that we just talked about, the convergence is literally happening nine one. Okay. All right, so that we, we've seen it, so we already see it. The data piece, the disparate pieces are in the marketplace but they're not pulled together. So mm-hmm. what will happen next is yet to be played.
2: Okay.
0: The network administrators, the large national network administrators, uh, they're scrambling right now mm-hmm. to maintain their value going forward and be be relevant in the future. Direct contracting, some version of it is the future.
1: I would agree. And I would agree as close as we can get to some sort of cash or cash equivalent pricing, right? Mm -hmm. Where you sort of build, you remove all the layers of compensation and opaque agreements out of the equation and just go, what does it cost you to provide this service? What is the margin of profit that's required in order to deliver that service profitably? What is your price? And that's really what the cash is supposed to have come become the standard for that, right? Or at least that's, it's difficult to get, you don't always get it. And not everybody gets offered the cash price. But that's probably as close to what the appropriate market forces should have dictated the price to be
0: right And every other part of our economy, whether it's gas, milk, uh, airplane tickets, all right, it happens today in every in our and Americans are smart enough to know what to do free markets are powerful. Mm -hmm. So we're we've we're going to be we're a long way from there today in healthcare, we're at the front end, do you want to be what what story do you want to tell in 3 years as a broker?
1: Yeah.
0: Did you watch this movie or did you lead it?
1: Yeah. Were you starring in the mm-hmm. starring in the movie? So Brian, what would I do as an employer? To star in this movie, or what would I do as a broker? Like, it tell me about the um, you know conversations that we're having with those direct contracting providers, those RBP vendors. Mm-hmm. How am I getting in front of this to make the appropriate changes? Let's say one one twenty three policy.
2: Yeah, I think um, for the time being, for this cycle, let's say right, we're in the throes of, of approaching Q four here. It's probably going to be some of the more traditional point solution validation okay. conversations that we've had in the past. Okay, right. So the telehealth, or you know, you can you can identify now. Um, using platforms, you know, some outliers on your pharmacy spend. Okay, and there are point solutions out there to kind of dial that back. To get to this next level, um, that's probably a next cycle sort of discussion. Okay.
1: Yeah, I realize this is going to be a long term thing to play out. But one of the things that's frustrating to me is not that there's not people that identify opportunities in the margins of other employers and come up with point solutions, but it's that you have to have so many point solutions (coughs) in the first place to solve for it, right? Is (coughs) is there a simpler way to do this, you know, out of curiosity? Because it just, we're adding so many other layers that cut down from previous layers that exist. It's like, how do we just take them all out and just have the layers that we actually need, the structure we actually need of a plant?
0: So I think on that, on that note, in a non-transparent ecosystem, if population health with the data that's been available worked, it would have worked by now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We wouldn't see perpetual 6, 10, 12 percent compounded inflation, right? If that worked, it wouldn't. So we had to break the equation of the data and the transparency. Once you now have that, uh, this market can drift to the same place every other transparent market in our country and our economy okay. does. Okay. So we're at the front end of that. And then when, when you get in there, you know, is it changing the unit cost? Also taking control of the small pieces of the supply chain you can. Pharmacy and primary care are two of the easiest places to step in. And the data helps navigate and identify the path.
1: Okay. And Brian, what's your opinion of like some of the data that you're seeing on reference-based pricing out of curiosity? I I know it's sort of a stepping stone, but like... How, what are you seeing actually quantifiable objective data?
2: It's a stepping stone indeed. Um, so I, w- I would say, so let's say, you know, cash prices, cash and Medicare are at the floor. Okay. I, I would, if it was me, I'd say probably RBPs maybe 10 to 15% above that, but there's still 40, 50 above that yeah. that we're paying in our in our traditional commercial Uh, Arrangements.
1: Well, do you think that so the scale of the problem we think is that big, right? I mean, I know it's difficult to put a look at our crystal ball, but do we? What what margins do we think we can ultimately pull out of this equation?
2: You know, it's. if you said fifty, that's probably too much. You think Realistically, so? okay. I mean, it's too high, it, though, right? It's like too fifty high. is yeah, the high end of the range. Okay. Yeah, twenty okay. to fifty
1: percent. Twenty to fifty. Okay.
2: I just said twenty to thirty, but yeah, somewhere in there isn't is is where a lot and of. And how,
1: how big is the healthcare industry? What's the dollar <laughs> amount? Do we do we, I know it's like well, 17, it's seventeen to nineteen percent of GDP, but how many yeah. dollars does that equate to? Do you guys know off the top oh, of, that's of your a, head? That's boy, a, boy, a Jeopardy question. Couple trillion. <laughs> couple trillion. What is a couple? Twenty percent of the economy. Yeah. So yeah, twenty percent of the economy. So when we're talking in the hundreds of billions if not a trillion, trillion dollars uh,
0: perhaps four trillion i don't okay. i'm not good at t's and b's yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: it's big let's let's just say that it's a big so this whenever i look at things and people are like oh yeah we can get five percent or we can shave a couple points here and, and all those things like you said drew are sort of just keeping us slightly on a, a less deep trajectory but it's not cutting it off at the knees and, and resetting where we are in terms of a curve this if i were to just guess sounds like this kind of resets where we are in the cost curve in a pretty dramatic fashion.
0: It changes the role of the plan sponsor from a passive payer, arguably a, an obedient payer, to becoming a proactive purchaser. Okay, I like that. Imagine becoming a proactive purchaser with the confidence of data behind you. The shield, the sword that you can wield, is people can't even imagine it yet. Mm-hmm. So that's the power that that it's it's people don't know what, th- what to do, but they do it in every other part of their business.
1: Yeah. Just train them to do what they've always done on other parts of their business and actually apply those that same logic to, to healthcare, care. Correct. So what about you know, we talked a lot of theoretical, um, you know, Brian, what about like a, an actual case study? Do you have any examples of how this has already worked for an
2: employer today? You know, what? I have a I have a case study for an advisor. OK, yeah, um, yeah. yeah let's that do that. Um, didn't embrace data years ago okay and i'll just give you a quick broker profile okay yeah um 10-ish self-funded groups biggest one was on a platform okay the other nine not on a platform because it's expensive and hard to use okay, okay? Yep. um the the number with the top group didn't hardly log into the platform really you know spent the money didn't get full value. of the same story the second largest self-funded case was they lost to bor okay and the one of the two reasons given was you didn't provide us any data yeah right? yep. we were we were looking for advice and and you yeah. didn't bring us any numbers <laughs> and my my friend and colleague kind of pounded his fist on the table and said uh, doggone it i'm not losing another case because of data again Yep, that's not going to happen yep. and that was about three years ago Pla- the broker profile today 18 self-funded cases all on the Innovu platform growing like crazy, bought us another agency, hire, I see postings for jobs on LinkedIn all the time. It's not a coincidence, Mm -hmm. right? Lean into it and it changes the trajectory of your firm.
1: And I would a hundred percent agree is, you know, I've seen it firsthand myself where you're just providing real value and analysis like proactively on on behalf of a prospect. Right. And Mm -hmm. I've seen firsthand where some employers minds have been blown about what was being discussed versus what they were getting in their current firm right and mm-hmm. no name names or anything like that but when they realize how much they've been missing it's a very easy sale at that point to get them to sort of move the por so if you're and again if you're not proactively having these conversations and even not just the conversations themselves but you're not doing this on behalf mm-hmm. it seems to me like it's a standard requirement to run a successful agency in 2022.
0: amen it,
2: it, yeah i mean it used to be a nice to have and now it's a have to have. Yeah, yeah. It really is.
1: So in that case study, right, like, what do you, do you know what that particular agency was able to leverage from some of that? Because you talked about the growth. They didn't, weren't losing any more clients now. But are there any specifics that they go, whoa, this mm-hmm. is what I get? You know? Yeah,
2: and they changed their marketing strategy entirely. And okay, kind of to, led with that, To yeah. lead with data. Hey, this is what we do. This is how we use it. Um, and this is where we can uncover opportunities for savings.
1: Well, I, I like it. it's, it's really just sort of uncovering um Those pieces that have been ignored or, you know, I saw things like, oh, we have way too much ER utilization around this one particular location of our company because that's all they have access to. It's a rural, you know, location. Mm -hmm. They go to the ER. How do we divert them out of the ER? Again, you don't know that is happening until you've really done pretty far down in the data. You mentioned predictive, though, Uh, I Mm -hmm. want to come back to that a little bit, because Mm -hmm. what is the usefulness or the accuracy, the utility of predictive side of analytics with risk scores and things like that? Or is that still too new? It's
2: to quantify, it's reasonably new. But I think if you let's take let's take a zero to 10 scale, right? And if the risk score for your group, you know, is in the, let's say, three to five, okay, you're no riskier than everybody else. If you show up as an eight or nine, now we need to dig in deeper and say, Okay, what's happening today, that's causing us to have that risk score. Um, So I think there's a, you use kind of these future risk score algorithms, and then couple that with what actually happened. Yeah. Say okay, now where do we need to point our arrow, so to speak, to try and help uh, the problem the problems? What that is we the, have?
1: the phrase? Is you know, past performance is not necessarily <laughs> a predictor of future, you know, whatever future <laughs> outcomes or something to that effect. Yeah. But it is a decent proxy for what potentially could happen. It's a decent in the future, proxy, right?
2: yeah. indeed.
0: Drew, yes. did you want
1: to weigh in on that? I saw you kind of yeah.
0: Please, I uh, so the system today, the three main stakeholders I referenced in the first half of this. Uh, this, if we had a hundred hop, we're XYZ employer mm-hmm. in XYZ city. We had a hundred somethings at a hospital last year and our bill was $10 million. Let's use simple math. The system solves today. If you use population health and got people healthier and we only had 70 episodes, the system will increase your price. They will charge you more for 70 things next year than they charged for a hundred last year. It's called revenue optimization. Mm-hmm. There is software in the system designed for that outcome. Yeah. Okay. You need to fight soft. You need to fight data with data. Mm. You can't bring a knife to a gunfight. And so it's not just about population. It's better. Healthy people are better. Of course. <laughs> but when the system says we're going to make money off of you, no matter what you need to un- unlock that. And that's, you know, uh, uh, I want to shift on, on, on top of Brian's little case study, a broker partner of ours who embraced the CAA with Tony and the data with Brian, and started hunting in May, new business this summer. We, we got an email less than a month ago, three new clients, a quarter of a million dollars, changing his message.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, part of it is difficult sometimes for these legacy agencies that have been going to market with some message for a very long time mm-hmm. and pivoting to a new message that might undermine their old message, right? They're sort of handcuffed in what they were telling their clients. For a period of time, right? So, is there an artful way to, to kind of shift out of that darkness into the light a little bit?
0: Well, they, they have to. You know, there's a, the first step to wisdom is to pursue it. Yeah. All right. So you have to you have to become educated, and you have to decide I want a different outcome. And if you want a different outcome, we're telling you right now the CAA is your friend. Okay. And the data is a must. And if you put the two together, it's it, 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 at the end of the day, no matter how many you take a 26 increase from Buka to 16 or a 12 to a four and you go home, but now you got to come back and do an enrollment meeting and nobody in that room can afford health care, even though you, you nipped the bud. Yeah. It, it didn't impact. So we're still the path to affordable care for the people who need it is using the tools that we've discussed. They were designed for that outcome.
1: Well, guys, I know we've been talking for quite a a bit of time, right, collectively as well. I think this has been a very powerful episode, and I'm very excited about releasing this. Um, Yeah, I want to talk to you, Brian, before we land the agility plane, if you will. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly when this will come out. I'm presuming a few weeks or so from, from today. So let's put it late September, maybe October 1, something like that. If I'm a broker hearing this, a consultant hearing this, mm-hmm. do I still have time for the fourth quarter at that point to, to make a change? Or you know, should I be shifting my thoughts to 2023 at that
2: you, point? You know what, it, I think um, there's seasonality to the broker business, correct? Mm-hmm. We, all, we all know Q4 is what Q4 is. Yep. And Q4 starts earlier now than it ever has. Um, I don't think that investing in a platform is cyclical. Okay? so this. And a platform can be plugged in at any time okay. okay and actually at this time of year you know to get the data harvested and on on and so forth there's a process there how, l- takes, how long does it take it traditionally you to know get it's probably let's say three months give or take okay okay there's paperwork to be signed you know we need to request data not in the mail any longer yeah, thank goodness, um, yeah. Little, <laughs> a little more technology <laughs> yeah. um, but there's a process okay so even at this time of year you know data is going to be up and running january one let's say if you started today so you just you need to build in you know kind of this let's say three month window um to get the platform loaded and then you can start to realize some value so i don't think it's necessarily cyclical like the benefit cycle yeah what i'm hearing from
1: you the key message is this is a long-term decision for Mm -hmm. the rest of time right like you don't just do it as a reactionary measure to bad renewals or something Mm -hmm. to that effect you're
2: deciding to become a data-driven firm
1: yeah, and it's, it's a, you're adopting almost like you have some people go through fad diets and some people make lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sure. is sort of a lifestyle change for your firm,
2: hundred percent, right? cool. exactly.
1: What about, what about your perspective on this, Drew? And let's wrap it up, and then I want to hear closing thoughts from Brian. Tie this all together for me. We talked agility, we talked CAA, and we talked data analytics with Ino, Novu and the coalition. Tie this all in a real pretty bow for me, if you don't mind.
0: Thank you. I'd love to. So as, a, as, as I'm going out now in September, October in Q4, with all of my, I'm seeing all of my clients over the next two and a half months at some level. And I started seeing them in G in July, have a one page summary of CAA and how data can be a part of their future and weave that into your story. Now. Okay. It can be an, a part of every meeting you host between now and November 15. Number two, start thinking critically, which of your clients are the highest priority to protect and which of your prospects you want to go after. So prioritize your clients, and your prospects on begin onboarding. Pick your partner. Mm-hmm. We've done a five year RFP. We suggest Innovu. Onboard your data, and then the coming year, when you write new business, expose and unlock the cost layers in healthcare. And so it's a journey that way. So identify your clients first. Upload their data, and then get busy. Okay,
1: then get busy. <laughs> Yeah, you got to get busy. And do you think there's going to be any grace period at all with this? You know, I mean, I realize it's a difficult thing to enforce as well as for actually people to be compliant at this point because it's such such gray area. <laughs> do you think they might have a little bit of, you know, like we've seen in the past, some grace period for these employers?
0: Yeah. So again, that's on the CAA side of the ledger. Yeah. Start educating yourself. Once you put the ball in motion, you're in a semi-protected state. You're, okay. you're actually moving somewhere. Okay. Uh, when's the best time to plant a tree? Twenty years ago. Yep. When's the second best time? Right to? Tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. Okay, I
1: do it right now, but that's <laughs> yep. just that's just me. Yep. I'm a go getter. Well, Brian, what about you? Let's um, let's uh, kind of finish this up with your thoughts sure. on data analytics, the future of data analytics, and where we go from here.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'd say um, you know if you're an advisor today that doesn't have a platform, number one, you're not alone. Almost ninety percent are the same, and and I just found it amazingly. Universal that those that didn't purchase a platform didn't purchase it for those two reasons, yeah. right? It's the expensive and hard to use. Believe it. Um, you're not alone, and it's not difficult to get started. Okay. Okay. It's it seems overwhelming, um, but it but it isn't as difficult if you have the wingman to help you get up and running.
1: And what's the best way for folks that have uh, taken this call to action and want to get started? How do we get a hold of you guys?
2: Well, you can get a hold of us on LinkedIn. Um, and uh, just shoot us a note, and, uh, and we'll get the conversation started. Can you
1: spell bank, and I'll obviously tag you, but make sure yeah. for the folks that are listening only, yep. can you spell your last yeah. name? Yeah,
2: B-E-H-N-K-E-N.
1: Okay, Brian and Brian with an I, correct? That's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Drew, what about you? What's the best way to get a hold of you as well?
0: So agilityinnovationpartners.com, okay. and hpfid.com for Tony, mm-hmm. H-P-F-I-D, Health Plan Fiduciary Compliance, okay. hpfid.com. You can find us at Agility. You can find us on LinkedIn perhaps in the show notes. So yep. we welcome the conversation. Call us to get started and just learn every, every thousand mile journey starts with one step.
1: I love it. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you. And as well as Tony, who's off camera over here, you know, I've got people traveling from Denver, Wisconsin, Omaha, Nebraska. Mm -hmm. I feel very fortunate and blessed that you guys were willing to make that those separate journeys all to come here to be with me today. Thanks for educating me. Hopefully, thanks for educating the market as well. And I'm looking forward to releasing this one. I think it's gonna be a fun one.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you, Spencer. Bye, guys.